0: A Hi, best members. Lynn Hilton here again with the podcast Teachers on Teaching. And this is my conversation with teachers from around the world about their journey as singers and also as teachers. So today I'm very fortunate to have Hannah Michael Is that the right, right way to say your name? Perfect. Yeah, yep. Um who's in Manchester, based in Manchester in the UK, and we're going to have a conversation about her journey because I think she's doing some really interesting things in the way that she's uh, working with, with her students. So, hi, Hannah. Hi. It's great to be here today. Lovely to see you. Haven't seen you for a little while because I think we first met on one of the best singing teacher training retreats, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. That was a few years ago. So, usually the first question I ask people is um how did you get started singing oh um good
1: question how did I get started singing well um oh, i think it's one of those things and i don't want to be the cliche of you know you've always been singing you know it feels like as singers we we're kind of we've got this innate desire haven't we to to use our voices and to communicate through song um i definitely rem- remember kind of earliest memories of um sort of singing in the garden and just making up songs about stuff that was around me. Um, and so I guess that is kind of where my kind of singing and songwriting really started um, at sort of quite an early age. Um, but then, um, uh, yeah, I guess then going through kind of childhood and teenagers, years, um, it was still very much there as sort of a part of my life. Um, uh, I started a Saturday school that was like a local um, I like a theatre school but it was um very local. It was in a um a back of a church hall in Peckham. So it wasn't, you know, glam, uh, you know, but it was just a lovely like community group to be part of and that definitely gave me confidence. I had some group lessons there as um as a young teenager. And then from there, um just decided that I really wanted to I don't know, even at a young age, really just wanted to invest in that and make that Um, more about my life more so than school Um, so um, I started looking through at the time the paper yellow pages and telephone directories looking for where could where could I go to do more of this because you know performing I just felt like oh this is just what I want to do all the time and um, anyway um, found out about the Brit School Um, because at the time I was living in London and um, yeah so auditioned auditioned, um, to go to the Brit school and um, actually a fun fact was that I started off as a dancer. Um, uh, I don't know whether I hadn't quite got the confidence to to use my voice at that point um, but I definitely felt like I was more um, confident at dancing Mm -hmm. so I, I went there to do that and then after two years I just didn't really enjoy the culture of, let's say, well, the mirrors and the leotards uh, <laughs> and the, um, and I guess the dressing room chat as well. So, um, um, so I decided that I wanted to then focus on music and, and, and switch my, um, like my major, you take one um, art form as your main um, kind of study. And I switched it to music and um, I was still very much songwriting. Um, I loved to write at the time and um, so I switched over to music and, and at that point that was where I really felt like this is what this is what I want to be doing. I want to be writing music, um, recording music, performing, performing my own songs. Um, so yeah it's definitely kind of stemmed from, from, from a young age and then um, just really wanted to continue to pursue that into kind of my teenage years. And then after um, sort of taking my time at the British School, then relocated up north to Manchester, where then I basically just got into work straight away and started doing um, session work and gigs and things like that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I've got into singing. Mm.
0: So what do you think are the positive things about going to a performing arts school like the British school
1: yeah it's a great question um I loved it I loved it um I loved um so I, I went in year 10 so um that was when I, I think 15 so you do your GCSEs there. so they're very much they run um like a vocational education so um you go and you do all your GCSEs you choose a major um you cho- choose an art form to major in, um, and then you do a GCSE and a GMVQ in that art form, and then you do all your other GCSEs alongside. Um, so it's very much, you know, encouraging your academic education alongside your desire to be a performer. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that, and I think um, there should be more opportunities for things like that for young people. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of people who respond you know, much better in schools to, you know, kind of a vocational approach. Um, and I know I did. And, um, and it was just loads of fun. Um, it definitely came with pitfalls. I think um, I think as young people who are all um, searching, searching for their identity, identity as a, as a young person, identity as a performer, um, one shift was just a simple shift, was that we all got to wear our own clothes. And then I came from a um, a girls-only school in Westminster who, you know, it was blazers and it was very, um, you know, we were were very proper. And then to go from that to, you know, everyone just work it out, you know, you're here to kind of live your dream and and, and be that performer and wear what you want and all the makeup. And, and, you know, it was kind of like, wow, this is a whole world away from what I've just been used to. And it kind of felt like everyone was kind of trying to be someone or be who they were, but we just didn't know yet Mm because we were young. And, um, and I think, yeah, that can be difficult at that age to be, trying to find out who you are but then um, also trying to find out where you fit in as a performer and and I think definitely I found switching to the music major um, was great in one sense because I had more opportunity to write, record and perform but at the same time um, I thought it would be better for my self-esteem and my identity to move away from the mirrors and the leotards but then what I swapped that for was still a sense of competition in terms of identity as a vocalist. And I kind of felt like I was quite plain and average compared to some of the other powerhouse voices. There were lots of gospel singers, um, people with, you know, really incredible voices. And I kind of just felt like I wasn't cutting it. So I think at the same, in the same breath, I kind of just swapped one area of comparison for another. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, again, as kind of, you know, late teens, that can be quite, I don't know, I think it can be could be quite destructive. Um, so yes, I think it afforded me great training, um, really, really positive experience. Um, it was really, really fab. And um, I did love my time there. And I loved it so much that I stayed for a final year and did an arts management uh, qualification, which then really helped my uh, move up north because then I got into kind of events, running events, um, and that was super helpful for kind of um, sort of the diverse, um, diverse work that I got into when I moved to Manchester. So that was brilliant. But, yeah, I just didn't want to leave because it was an amazing environment to grow and learn in. But at the same time, it was um, tricky, um, yeah. definitely, to navigate as a young person, I think.
0: So if you were working with a young singer who was thinking of going somewhere like that, how Mm. would you, as as their teacher, help Mm. guide them to navigating that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a difficult one. Um. I think um, I think as a as a young person, I guess, and, and I do teach young people that are looking to go to performing arts colleges, and um, and and they're just so full of enthusiasm, and it's you know you don't you don't want to squash that. You want to like say you know great, go for it. Um, and I think maybe what's helpful as well is is kind of having those chats with the parents and saying you know. Um, this is, you know, I mean, I can only speak from my experience, you know, another person might have had a completely different experience. But um, I guess it's maybe just about bringing awareness to, you know, there may be challenges here. And, um, and it is, it is tough on you. Um, You know, on your, I guess your sense of self worth and esteem and and your identity. Um, And hopefully, it would be something that actually makes you and makes your choices in terms of your self-esteem and your identity and and you can start to appreciate you know the gift that you have and the opportunity that you have um to you know to hone those skills um rather than it send you know a person the other way um Mm. yeah so I definitely think you know working in close partnership with the parents and, and and talking about kind of um how best they can be supportive in in that um environment um keeping open lines of communication and just checking you know how how are you doing today how are you finding your course and um and and as a teacher as well you know checking in and saying you know you know how how are you finding it is there anything that i can help you with Um, is there anything we can do in our sessions that is going to equip you to um you know have a more positive experience of your of your time on your course Um, yeah and wish them the best of luck i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: so, how did you then find yourself going down the teaching track
1: yes so um i don't I don't think I set out to be a teacher at all um When I moved up to Manchester, one of the things that I got involved in was a music arts and media company um, based in the northern quarter and um they um um I kind of worked in a role as a um events coordinator I worked they had an agency where they found um kind of session musicians and um you know musicians for gigs and bars and things like that and then one day a job came in um which was to cover um a morning a week I think it was in a in a school doing you know basic singing teaching and um uh they asked me to do it and I was like oh I've I've done a few workshops here and there and you know I, I definitely had a few years of experience with performing and I've obviously had my training from um, Brit and I said well I could you know I could give it a go but it wasn't my main kind of um, this is what I really want to do. So I started with a morning a week and then three years later I was there four days. um, I was teaching part of the BTEC um, curriculum in terms of um, music performance technique, composition, um, you know I couldn't get out of there. Um, (laughs) So it kind of was definitely it definitely all turned around. And then from there, um, I really kind of enjoyed working with um, the students kind of one on one. And um, I felt that there were students there that really wanted to invest, um, as opposed to just skipping lesson, they really wanted to invest in their voice, in performing, in looking at, you know, colleges and things like that. And so I wanted to try and dedicate my time a little bit more to those who were more intentional about their training. Um, and so kind of off the back of that, then set up my own studio um, so that I could kind of have a bit more um, freedom to invest in um, those performers who are being a bit more intentional about their training and also um, working with people um, in a studio setting and working with those who are, you know, gigging and on tour and things like that. So it kind of had a little bit of a switch after a few years in terms of the, I guess, the demographic of student that I wanted to work with.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm. What were the challenges then, as as a person who kind of got thrown into the into the job?
1: Challenges were, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> uh, like I said, I'd done some, I'd, I'd done workshops before, and um, you know, um, but teaching like one to one was just entirely different. And I went to sit in on one of my um, on one of my friends um, who was a teacher already at that school. And they just had a really high demand for, for vocal lessons, which was amazing. Um, and it was really celebrated. The head of music there was great. And it was really kind of celebrated it within the school. It had a choir and it was quite a vibrant music department. Um, so I went and sat in on her lessons. And but watching it, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can do this. Because this is what I do as a performer. And I guess there's probably many teachers out there that kind of can relate to um, sort of I, I teach what I do you know especially when you're starting out and thinking well you know these exercises help me when I warm up these, this approach helps me when, I, when it comes to singing and um, definitely things that you pick up along the way for yourself as a, as a performer I just, just sort of thought oh I'll well, I'd, I'd, I'd teach that I'll teach what comes naturally to me but I think definitely as of you know this is like <sighs> how many years later like nearly 10 years later now um that is not necessarily what I would definitely uh, tell a new teacher starting out to do um you know because we, we're just not all the same are we and, and our instruments are entirely different and we need a much more um much broader approach when it comes to teaching one size doesn't fit all and and I've definitely learned that through the last kind of 10 years of of, of teaching different voices and is that you know um you know it's so it's so important to have a broad um experience of you know even different you know different training different um teaching models becoming familiar with different language and different approach um approaches to to the voice and voice work so um yes that's how i got started but that's definitely not where i'm at now
0: (laughs) Mm. so what kind of uh training and education from a vocal pedagogy point of view have you done or has helped you to you know to get to this place
1: yes well um i guess i've done i've done different bits um so obviously it came on the um the vast retreat which was just a oh it was such a it was so insightful and it was so amazing to meet other um you know teachers that are like-minded that are passionate about the voice that are passionate about education um that actually there was no sense of competition that it was all about kind of encouraging each other in each other's individual um, studios and practices and and approaches and that was so lovely and the the training and the information uh provided in, in the retreat there was super valuable um and kind of off the back of that as well meeting different trainers um was great a really great opportunity so then therefore um you know so now I work with Chris Johnson um so he is my coach and um looking forward to going down to London on uh tomorrow to um take part in his training on Sunday um and kind of by networking I guess you you meet other teachers and um trainers so I've done um uh, the John Henny sci- New Science of Singing course online. Um, I went to a, a two-day course with Jeannie Levetry at Arts Edge. Um, after the vast course, um, oh gosh, what else have I done? I've completely lost lost my uh, train of thought. I've done a fair few bits, um, both online and in person. Mm-hmm. Oh, the main person I have to credit um the, one of the main reasons why I found investment in training so 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 important is because of my own personal burnout as a, as a singer and performer um, and through that, I ended up having kind of on and off about eighteen months' worth of vocal therapy so my actual main lot of training really came through my own therapy and learning um you know larynx learning function learning breath learning from 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 a rehab point of view Mm. so kind of quite a lot of my training since has been through my own personal having to rebuild and and learn my own voice and and learn its function and, and learn its boundaries um and and learn vocal health from from a therapeutic point of view Mm -hmm. so for about 18 months I went on a journey of 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 that and and where I was in and out of different hospitals and then ended up at the Withenshaw voice clinic which is just a fantastic facility I just am I'm so grateful that it's so close to me and and accessible um because it, it just literally saved my voice and my career um and through that then um I've done a fair bit of training with um, Dane Chalfin, who is a vocal rehabilitation coach. Um, so um, he often, and because he's split between kind of London and, and the Northwest, he often will do things based in Manchester. So I've done some training with him and Ron Morris, um, who have done various courses on kind of sharp, there was one called sharpening your tools, which was kind of um, about kind of general um general practice mm-hmm. um there's been other courses about practical um physiology um there's been other courses that I've been on um that have looked at um, the accent method mm-hmm. um and so um it's been kind of doing I think I've done four or five courses with Dane now um and that's been amazing to learn again a little bit more kind of um Sort of from a rehab perspective, looking at sort of therapeutic tools in ways in which we can um, kind of encourage vocal health and, and practical application as well to the voice, which is stuff that I mean, again, looking back when I first started, I'm like, I, I wish I knew this stuff as a singer, you know, when I started out. Um, and I'm now like practically evangelical about it to my own students because I'm just like, this will save your voice and will save your career, you know, if we can use this as a foundation. Um, so I've really, really loved learning all that kind of stuff, um, as well. Um, so yeah, I think I've enjoyed l- learning from a broad spectrum of people with different backgrounds. Um, and you, you do learn different language as well. because um, different people who have had different training will call one thing, one thing and, and the same another. And you're, it's kind of filling in the blanks and knowing a whole um, kind of um, yeah whole soup of different language that ultimately maybe is describing the same thing, the same function, the same outcome um, yeah. and, and so that's been really valuable I think as well to to um, to learn from kind of a, a broad broad spectrum of of, of people and, and trainers that are just um, awesome at what they do so I definitely feel very very fortunate to have have uh, had the different training that I have had.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your own practice. Who are your main body of students?
1: Yeah. Um, so I have students that um, come just as hobbyists, which um, I guess quite a lot of us will be, will be teaching, people that just enjoy singing. Um, I have young people that are, are coming to um, kind of build confidence. Um, I have a couple of um, young people actually that come that are really serious songwriters, And so that's lovely and we'll work on a combination of vocal technique and then application into their songs and then looking at kind of performance technique and delivery when it comes to um kind of upcoming gigs and opportunities and that tends to be as well kind of the main um i guess the main body of of the work that i do is working with those who are um artists gigging artists um kind of singer songwriters who are looking at um, open mic nights looking at recording as well
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so we'll look at um, you know kind of again um, the the vocal technique their vocal health um so you know technique and exercises and then we'll look at their own songs and then kind of look at what's maybe not working out Is a song in the right key <laughs> that's my first question <laughs> is it in the right key um, and then looking at kind of um different you know technique resonance tuning things like that to get the song to a place where it's you know um they're really happy with it and it's sounding great um, and then again whether that's kind of for performing live or whether it's for recording we look at kind of the delivery techniques so whether it's kind of interpretation and looking at bringing meaning into the song and taking the listener on a journey if it's you know kind of live performance if it's studio technique we'll look at kind of how to get the best out of your recording and then I'll work with that um student then in the studio and we'll we'll edit and, and comp the best take and, and all that kind of thing so that's a lot of fun and that makes up quite a bit of my work and then i also work with people who um um really want to perform who are finding that really difficult and and finding finding their relationship with their voice difficult um there's not necessarily anything wrong they don't have a pathology um They just maybe have had an experience where um, they felt um, embarrassed, um, awkward or shame. Um, And then through that experience or kind of a catalogue of experiences like that, they've come to a point where they don't feel that they can fully allow themselves to be present with their voice and enjoy their voice. Um, and, and, and sing. And so I also have um, a, a few students who um, we, we work through um, just building a positive relationship with their voice. Um, we sing together. We sing songs that they enjoy. Um, we, we build, we kind of, you know, start to rebuild some of those neural pathways that say singing is hell. And we we start to rebuild that kind of singing is okay, (laughs) singing is enjoyable, singing is fun, singing is is good and it's good for me, Um, and I'm good at singing. And we start to kind of um, work through that as well. And and that um, I really enjoy those sessions because it just feels like such a precious thing to be able to, um, you know, um, be with somebody in in, in that in that space and um, to help, I guess, start to walk with someone and and walk them out of that space um which I I really really enjoy and and um yeah it just feels like a really beautiful thing to do Mm. so yeah that's kind of kind of the range of stuff that I that I do in terms of my studio practice
0: there's lots of questions I have now so (laughs) um I'm very interested in that last one about uh helping people with their relationship to their voice because that's such a common thing, isn't it? Where people Mm. they sing and they might even been singing professionally for many years and then one day you're talking to them about their voice and they go, Yeah, I hate my voice. And you go, Whoa, you know. So how if so does the person come to you because that's where they're at or that's is that something you've just discovered as you're going along teaching?
1: Yeah, I feel like I've kind of um over the past couple of years and maybe it's because of my own personal um um kind of vocal issues that I that I have had that I've been very open about I'm very transparent about it and talk about it in sessions um I seem to have now kind of attracted um that that clientele really um which is you know absolutely fine and, and I really enjoy working with people like that um and uh Last year, um, I ended up um, putting together like a little consultation form. So before somebody's first session, I'll I'll send them a form to fill out and and send back to me. Because I realized that I was kind of asking the same questions every time, uh, particularly for a, a first client. And one of the most important questions and the most kind of telling and informative for me as a coach was when I'd ask somebody, how do you feel about your voice? And um, sometimes that would be that moment in the in the session where it would I don't know just the room would just feel very big and open, and um, and and people would talk about you know um, past experiences where you know like I said maybe they, they'd had something bad happen like a, a failed audition or mm-hmm. someone sniggering at them or um, even just a perceived. Um, thing in terms of you know whether that was a comparison thing they've been through um you know like schooling or education like myself and, and just didn't feel like they were as good as or or they've been told that they weren't as good as by a you know a, a label or someone influential
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and and that can be so detrimental and I've seen I've seen that silence so many people. Um I also work with quite a few um, um, worship leaders in a local church and members of the congregation as well and I've actually had people come to me that have told me that they actually mime when singing in church because they feel like they can't let their voice out because of fear of what the people either side of them will hear mm. and honestly it just breaks me when I hear that because I just think it's well it's such a shame like it's such a shame it's like a heavy grief that people carry and and the sense of their own personal shame that they aren't able to um be 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 vulnerable with their with their own voice and there's there's a lot of um negativity surrounding it and it is a real um it is a real grief for people um so yeah kind of asking people to identify what that is um can be quite huge and I think even just bringing awareness to that um is 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 a real step forward Mm. there's definitely been some times in in sessions where um I've just had a sense at the beginning that something isn't you know okay and um and I say to them you know we can drill all, all you like you know we can run exercises but I just think that's not going to be beneficial Because actually, if you feel like you want to cry, you're storing a lot of tension right up here, and literally, you need to cry. You need to release. You need to release. You need to release your larynx. You know, you need to let. You need to let go. Um, And so, so we've had sessions where sometimes um, we'll just stop and we'll just take a moment. Um, We might do some breathing exercises instead. a few years back I went to um to college to take um a counselling skills certificate and at the time um I wasn't doing nearly as much coaching as I was I was doing some other things as well and um and I kind of concentrated on on my studies um and thought maybe I'd maybe want to go into Mm counselling at some point um but actually now I see that as so super valuable in terms of listening reflecting back maybe what somebody's feeling using their own words or paraphrasing, you know, um, I hear that, you know, and just reflect back what they're saying. And that can be such a powerful thing for people to feel like they've been heard and understood. And then they're able to then have the courage to then start to believe in themselves and believe that that's okay. And it's okay to be where they're at and just allow themselves, give them that permission. That can be quite powerful. So Yes, um I think it's very sort of important for me. That's just that's just my value and kind of my, my ethos when it comes to training that um, you know, we kind of have this sort of sense of transparency and I I don't want to rush people on from that place. Um, you know, um you know you can do you can do vocal exercises so the cows come home, but actually it tends to be that if somebody is really, has really got something going on, kind of emotionally, um, and I've heard it before, we'll start exercising and there'll be limitations on their voice um, and their headspace just isn't there. And it feels like I'm wasting their time and they're wasting my time in that sense because we're not actually getting anywhere. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting couple of years um, meeting more people that have kind of got this recurrent theme of, either performance anxiety or, 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 or real, you know, um, anxiety, anxiety disorders and then, and then being a performer that is struggling with an anxiety disorder, um,
0: yeah. So how do you then start working with somebody who doesn't like their voice or you can see their mindsets working against the ability of their voice to be free?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it depends on the individual and I really am about... The individual, again, one size doesn't fit all. Um, um, you know, I've had, I've had singers where um, they just need to just stop and, and we'll sit and maybe we'll do some kind of, you know, counting breathing exercises to get them sort of back in the room if they're feeling distracted or if they're feeling overwhelmed. Um, um, I've had other, other students who have come and they just can't stand the sound of their voice. they just really enjoy singing so um so we sing together (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we do and they used to singing where they don't feel as exposed um i think quite often say in a studio environment and i'd I'd say to them like i respect you so much for investing in this because this is highly vulnerable Mm -hmm. you've got me sitting across from you and for me like when i perform if there's like a room there's a room and there's three people in it i find that so much more so much more vulnerable so much more overwhelming than if there was you know 300 people so i say to them look, you've you've chosen to invest in this and and, and you're singing in front of one other person which is just highly intense um so we'll, we'll sing together, we'll do the exercises together or um, I use backing tracks where I find that often using backing tracks where there's lots of instrumentation can be more encouraging for them um, as opposed to me just accompanying, you know, keys vocal. Um, they kind of feel a little bit more surrounded and enveloped by the rest of the instrumentation so they feel a little bit more free um, to start to sing. Um, but yeah, there are some students that I've worked with that where. Um, I'll start them off with an exercise and then I'll dip out just so that, you know, because obviously it's important for us to hear their voice, their voice quality you know, no point me singing all the time. I can't, you know, diagnose or give something functional if something needs to be addressed. And as soon as I stop, they will then stop and cut out. Um, so again, it's that kind of, you know, what is this person in front of me presenting with today? Because maybe last week, they were in a different place Mm. and they weren't maybe struggling so much or maybe it was worse and maybe something else was useful um and on that I guess note-taking is quite important so um I um I used to take paper notes (laughs) and then that just got way too hectic as, as things got more busy so now I use my music staff um, which is like a, an app and an, an online um, program that you can subscribe to and then it keeps a diary of all your notes so you can check back on the previous weeks and, and you know you're keeping basically an, an online confidential record of, of, of what is um happening um over the course of their training and that's super helpful because then you can think okay last time will this this work so let's try that again at least it's a good starting place for you Mm -hmm. um and then if it's not working we can we can sort of try something else but you've got a way to track their progress and and their kind of behavior and also you know what they're saying Um, you know I had somebody this week uh, very much a performer like this who kind of was struggling with the sound of their voice and There's a lot of comparison um, between her and um, she's in a family where they're all quite musical. So Mm. that can be quite um, difficult um, for somebody who feels that they're not as good. Mm. Um, And so she she was talking about that. And so because I had her notes from previously in front of me, I was able to kind of say, yeah, last time you said this is this how you're still feeling you know has there been any progression from the last session to this session if not let's look at how we can move you forward with that um mm. particular state of mind essentially is what we were talking about um so that was really helpful i think on a, on a practical note
0: mm. yes i've uh, kept notes for a very long time i actually use an app called um, uh, <laughs> look it up now it's just been part of my life all this time uh, audio notes so I can actually record at the same time as my yeah notes. yeah but I will I will also write down quotes from them you know things that they yeah. said and yeah come back to it as well as obviously I always ask a person how's your week been you know what's been going yeah. on if they've had a cold yes exactly or not feeling too well it means that mm-hmm. I can remember next time to actually ask how they recovered or if they have recovered. And people really feel like you're investing in them, you know, because Mm. remembering Mm. what happened, you know, in the last Mm. whereas especially when I was teaching full time, I couldn't remember everything that happened in the lesson. And and then one week kind of melded into the other. So it was really helpful for me when I started taking notes. And then I could also progress with because I was also write down the scales and what happened and it meant that I could be much more progressive each week because yeah. I go, oh, okay, so last week we did this long scale using a butt sound and it, you know, flipped here. Yes. And then we managed to get it working okay on the octave up. So let's see if we can go back and
1: yeah. try it again.
0: And so that way the voice is getting that reinforcement as well.
1: Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So note taking is, I think, quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you also help singers uh, with vocal production, so that's mm-hmm. something that kind of interests me. I'd like to know a little bit more mm-hmm. about what what kind of common issues do you notice or common mistakes that singers make when they go in to record? Maybe you know, as beginners.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I think probably a similar thing in terms of the mindset stuff. Um, I think. As soon as you switch record on people start to panic
0: nice.
1: um, and I understand myself for from, from being you know from recording my own music and there's this fear of this is like like a time capsule um and once it's done it's done and that's the representation of my voice um and there's definitely kind of a lot more pressure when it comes to recording I think um <laughs> Even talking last night, um I was in a rehearsal and we were saying, you know, when it comes to live performance, the note is there and it's gone. So, like, if you miss it, if you're a little flat, if in the emotion of the performance, maybe you, you know, it, it sounds a little sharp, um, mm-hmm. it's gone a millisecond later. But when it comes to recording, there's this kind of heightened sense of pressure that it's got to be good every time. And, um, but although I think different people have got different approaches because then there are other artists that will be like, I'll just sing it and you can fix it. Right. <laughs> you can fix it in the edit. And I understand both. I think I probably would be more on the uh the 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 first option in terms of vocals. I'm like, it's gotta be good. This is a representation of me, my identity, my my vocal. Um, but then there are other people that are just like I'll just do what I can do. And then there's, there's magic that you can do. So do that. Um, and I think nowadays, when, you know, the music that we listen to is so polished, um, that that's the expectation that we have on our voices and it's entirely unrealistic. Um, and I think that's hard. I think that's hard on vocalists when they come to record because you, you, you know, record your line and yeah, we may have worked on it and looked at the best technique and looked at, looked at the best, you know, placement for optimum resonance and all this kind of stuff. And when it comes to it and it's being recorded and you listen back to it, you know, there's often that disappointment of, oh, but it doesn't sound like the magic that we hear, you know, out on the radio or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, because now we don't really hear human voices we hear human voices that have been you know modified and um well you know thank thank god for some of the things that we can do in in edit you know it's you know it's it's, it's fantastic isn't it you know but at the same time it does kind of give us some unrealistic, unrealistic expectations as vocalists sometimes on what we can actually do um and i think that also plays into the process of recording Um, yeah, but I think, um, in terms of, I don't know, mistakes, that's a really interesting one. I guess different artists would have different approaches as well to recording. So, um, some singers would just want to sort of sing everything through and just get a feel for the whole flow of the song. Um, other singers would maybe just want to kind of record section at a time or even a line at a time um and again depending on the artist that you are depending on the style of music maybe if you were doing some kind of say um i don't know like an up upbeat pop uh, or dance track you um probably could get away with line by line or section by section um other maybe sort of more um intimate um say acoustic tracks you may want the sense of kind of flow and feel um and vulnerability in the voice maybe so it may be that you would want to kind of have a sort of a sense of um flow through the whole song it would Mm -hmm. entirely depend on your approach really as um as the artist so again i'm always very much sort of client-led so you know um however they feel most comfortable other singers I guess the nervous ones again would be more let's just get it done so you know I'm I'm just going to sing all the way through and go again and go again and go again and then it, and then it's done and we can come from there um but I think yeah it's entirely your choice really and so I'm very much like let's let's go with how you feel comfortable and 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 I'm very much sort of led that way but I think when it comes down to it um you know Particularly in terms of technique, there'll be moments where we're like, well, you, you, it would be best off if we just did this at a phrase at a time. <laughs> you know, if somebody's particularly struggling with a note, struggling with a, you know, kind of breath to the end of the line, that kind of thing, and the whole verse is too much to do. Um, so there's definitely ways and tricks and things like that where we can look at um, um, breaking it down once we've actually got to the thing. But often it's getting the singers onto the mic getting them to relax, getting them to connect with what the song even means and where, where it's about. I think um, in live performance, you can often connect a little, well, arguably, you can connect a little bit more when you're performing to people
0: mm.
1: in terms of your sense of communication, that there's people there, there's faces there where you're telling your story, you're, you're bringing a message. Um, but in the studio environment, it's quite... Um, you know it's quite sort of almost a bit clinical it's sort of very um you know a professional environment which feels a little um like you've lost that sense of humanity that you've written for so trying to get people to um tap into the sense of um lyric the intention the message what are you communicating you know tap sing sing me this like you mean it um because at the moment i don't believe it you know maybe we've got a great you know maybe we've got a great d5 and you're absolutely belting the heck out of it and it sounds beautiful but it that lyrically it's not matching the sense of energy so let's just take it back to why you wrote it and then let's sing it from that place um so yeah there's all sorts of things I guess when it comes to being in the studio that people would would I guess um maybe struggle with or what comes into your head when when it comes to recording but definitely getting over the initial mindset of thinking oh no this is being recorded that's a big one um but ultimately getting down to the the true the true communication of the song the true meaning the lyrical intention um and and just trying to relax as much as as, as you can really taking your time with it and i mean if you're if you're paying for studio time obviously you know you'll be conscious that you want to kind of get it done in in, in the rack basically um but at the same time I do encourage people to bargain in more time than they need, essentially, so that they're not having to rush. Because that sense of being rushed then obviously then induces anxiety, which then creates tension, tightness, all that kind of thing. So you're not gonna then be able to give the best vocal performance that you could. Um so I do encourage people, I always kind of overestimate the time that we would need in the studio to allow for the client to enjoy that process a little bit more not feeling rushed and um and being able to kind of yeah bring bring them their full self to, to the uh, to take without being distracted by the time as well
0: so how else might a teacher make sure that they're helping prepare the singer for studio work so obviously that that was a real little golden nugget, that, you know, negotiating some extra time so that you don't feel rushed. Mm. And then helping the singer to uh, get over the fact that, you know, they're in the recording studio, so finding a more relaxed place. Yeah. Um, getting into the lyric. Um, yeah. And making sure that uh, you're telling the story. So what other things might a singing teacher do to help or say or... Mm prepare the voice say Mm. studio
1: yeah um yeah well obviously in terms of working on the song before going into the studio you know i would i encourage my students to come with a hard copy of the lyrics um just i mean old school on paper so that you can annotate So, you know, it's not a test when you're recording, you know, you've already got a lot of high pressure in the scenario anyway, you know, especially if you're new to recording or find it quite, you know, a a tricky, tricky thing to do. Um, So print your lyrics out, you know, it's not a test, have your lyrics in front of you. But then um, as a teacher, I I love, you know, scribbling on on these sheets, Um, mark your phrasings on, you know, little tick marks and where should they take a breath you know um in terms of dynamics so where does verse one start in terms of is it is it pulled back is it one to ten? Ten being like you know the high point of the song massive energy big volume and where where are we starting are we starting at a three is it is it stripped back is it um quite vulnerable what what are the kind of the adjectives that you would use to describe the quality of the voice um and the intention of the lyric again bring it back to the lyric. And then, as we're going through the song, almost like a bit of a graph, like where are the high points? Where's the dynamic? You want that kind of sense of um, dynamic and flow through through the recording, as as much as you could have in a in a live um, in a live performance as well. So that's quite helpful, I think. Um, or little things like um, so, what a, a little a little thing that I I often end up finding in songs is when we have. Um, open vowels so say like i for instance um, songs with I in. i'll find that students were going quite hard on that you know and it can maybe sound quite glottal there's a lot of attack on it so then sort of going through the song and looking at oh if there's maybe quite a lot of attack on certain open vowel words is there a way that we can soften that so that particularly on recording obviously you've got things like um Pelosives. so where your consonant will pop so like on a puh or a b or that kind of thing or even you know things like sh and, t and things like that you know the kind of the more percussive consonants so you want to look out for those so potentially softening them if they've got quite a bit of an attack or if they're like an open vowel where we've got this kind of ah uh, you know sort of strong glottal um, vowel sound and um, maybe is there a consonant beforehand that you can use to bring together with the vowel to sort of soften it um, looking at your diction as well making sure that you've got um good clarity on your diction um yeah just the things that you would i guess you'd get away with in terms of live performance um but when it comes to the recording not so much mm-hmm. um yeah, so definitely use the lyric sheet to write as many prompts on as, as you need because it's not a test, um, and you want to get that best um, best take um, and best best comp of of, of your vocal. Um, so just write it all down and use it as a you know use it as a prompt sheet. Um, yeah, that's what that would be. Uh, that would be one of my best pieces of advice to teachers because quite often I will work with the student on their song. And then I will record their song. So I'm there and I can tell them. Um, So that, I guess, is another thing that you could look at in terms of being a coach or a teacher. Um, Offer to accompany them to the studio and say, you know, would you find it helpful? Particularly, again, if you've got nervous singers, um, would you find it helpful for me to accompany you? And I can sit there and be with you. You know, you know their voice. They feel comfortable with you. Um, you know, being vulnerable with their voice. Maybe they've just had a studio for the day. They've got an engineer that they don't know and a producer and just they're walking in there with a room full of guys they don't know, maybe. And they might just need some kind of, you know, someone on their side, someone on their team, um, someone who says, you know, you got this. And um, yeah, if you just drop your jaw a little bit more, then we'll get the clarity on that pitch or whatever. You know, just the little thing that you know that in their panic maybe they might miss so you could always suggest the the, off, the offer to accompany them um, and then you are there talking prompt sheet then um, and so that's really great for me because I get to kind of coach people through the songs and give them all those like little hot tips to get through the song and get their best take but then I also then get to sit with them and then we record it um, so quite often what I'll do is I'll book a uh, book a block of say three or four hours out I'd allow probably about two hours to do the vocal anyway which again probably sounds like loads for say a three or four minute song but it's just so we've got time and we can warm up beforehand we can go through the song and when it comes to the actual recording of it we're not rushed and we can go again and we've just got enough time for for everything that we need to do really um but if we were going to do a song what I would make sure to do is for the first part of the session is to make sure that they were fully comfortable with it so i get to almost do a, a a dual purpose session where the first half is a almost like a technique lesson on the song that they're going to record and then we're in the same space we can go straight through to recording and say okay as you did that then let's just press record and then it breaks down that kind of barrier of this is like this is a big deal this is this is like a big responsibility it's recording because we're in the same space it's really helpful um because we can literally just press record where they are Mm. um, and that's really nice so you know you know even things like time time commitments if you're you know not able to you know teach and record in the same space then maybe could they do an afternoon recording session and a morning lesson with you, you know, could you do your lesson, you know, over Skype or Zoom, and and or be with them remotely in some way, or come to the studio? And can you be there half an hour before and take them through a warm up and just do a quick whip through the song? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's lots of ways that we can be supportive as uh, as teachers um, to our um, students and clients who are who are recording. Aside from just the technical application of the song, for sure.
0: And how do you charge for that?
1: Um, so I do charge more for those sessions. I do, um, I do make sure that my hourly rate is is more if I am doing all those jobs because essentially you are a vocal coach. If I'm if I'm recording them, I will be the you know the engineer. I will be the vocal producer. They, they often afterwards some people aren't really bothered about the um, the kind of the comping, so the vocal editing and put, you know making the take all putting it all together. Some singers don't really they're not interested in that. Other ones will want to really kind of hear, you know, every single take and oh which one's the best one and cutting or pasting, sticking it all together. So they will then stay on and take a seat and we'll go through all the takes and they'll help me choose and they'll have their their choices on, on what on what they can do. So so yeah you are if you're performing quite a few roles then I would definitely um say that you you know rights rights should say this is a this is a it's a greater service now you know I've got all these skills we're te- technically hiring my studio as well so mm-hmm. you can afford to um to increase your rates and actually I have you to thank for that <laughs> because mm-hmm. I remember on the first evening of the Bass retreat and we got talking about what we were doing and I remember you very much were saying so hold on you're you do the engineering you do the production you do the coaching you do you were like but you're like five people in one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've never really thought about it like that before. And you were like, right, this is a really marketable um, and really fantastic service that you provide. And I, I think you're underselling yourself. So I took a, a massive, um, yeah, a confidence boost and a bit of a real, reality check on, on the service that I was providing and thought, actually, you're right. Uh, you know, you're, you're totally right. And if somebody was to go and hire you studio, elsewhere, they would need they would need the engineer they, they may need the coach I would advise that they take a coach because I think I 100% believe and have seen and know that people do get better results when when they have that coaching in in um, tandem with with the recording so mm-hmm. there's definitely um a market out there for people to offer themselves as a coach in, in the studio for sure um but yeah you, you are offering a lot of roles there and, and I think it's they will find that when they come out at the other side, they will be much happier with their product for having that time spent with you. And that investment that they've made with you, I've seen it again and again, people that have gone in the studio with me and then they come out going, I'm so happy with that. I'm so happy with that. One of my students I've been working with her for three years has has over the last three years recorded an album and I've sat in the studio with her. I've coached her through all of her songs and then we've gone in the studio, we've recorded it all And now she's like, it feels like it's her life's greatest work, and she's so proud of it. She's so pleased with the outcome. Mm -hmm. And then there've been other students of mine that have maybe then done some of the songs, but then they've gone and just recorded, and then they've come back and sort of said, "Ah, I don't think it's as good as it could have been." I'm like, "Yeah, (laughs) Um, and that's okay." And everyone's got different budgets, and everyone's got different time constraints, and it's not always possible. But I just think. You know, that sense of support, that sense of advocacy, um, the relationship that you have with someone, the skills and techniques that you bring in that situation when you're in the studio with your um, student or client um, is so valuable and they're never going to regret hiring you in for that job if it mm-hmm. is you're purposefully going in with them um, to the studio for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I remember reading an interview with Dido And somebody was saying to her, how do you feel about, you know, negative um, critique on your songs or albums? And she said, as long as I've gone in and done everything that I know I need to do, that I've stayed true to myself, that I've really taken care of recording and then mixing and editing and all that sort of stuff, to what I'm happy with then Mm -hmm. people can say whatever they like Yes. um, because I know I'm happy. And this is what I often say to students um, who are going in to record for the first time and and I'm saying that maybe they're not as prepared as they should be or they're not really looking around for a studio that suits their voice or um, a a sound engineer that's going to really get their music and all that. I just say this is your investment. It will be with you forever. And Mm -hmm. when you look back on it, you want to know that you did absolutely everything that you could Mm -hmm. to get the best down on track Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you may not have the opportunity again or that song's moved, you know, you've moved on from that song and then that's kind of its only existence really. And, yeah. um, you know, you'd, it's much better if you maybe wait for a little bit longer to get the funds to get that right studio or to, you know, take a little bit more time to practice so that you totally mm. know all your songs mm. or do more work on your voice so that you're happy with your voice because once it's done it's done. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, most yeah. of the time you don't want to go back and re-record, you know. Uh, you yeah. want to really make sure that you're especially if it's for an album. I mean it's different if it's a demo, but if it's for an but even as a demo, you know, you you do want to have your best representation. That's great. Yeah. There's lots okay. of things that I could continue to talk to you about and um, I did want to actually compliment you on your website. I think it looks oh, really great and, and I'm, I think it's a great example of simplicity but very clear and also demonstrates you and your personality and your philosophy, teaching philosophy, which is fantastic. So I highly, rec- highly recommend people go and check it out. It's vocalperformancecoaching.com. Thanks so much for your time and coming and talking. Uh, you're great. Experience, you. and you're in, in the best Facebook group, aren't you? Yeah. So if people want to ask you any questions, um, they can ask you about the recording or the way that you approach people. I think actually that would be a great workshop. The uh, how to help people come to terms with their voice. Um, yeah. Future, but even yeah. I think a lot of teachers might enjoy doing that themselves. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I saw the um, the tweet from um, Jess Glynn, was it yesterday about, um, you know, canceling her shows. And, and one of the things really stood out to me, she said, you know, if my voice goes, I go. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, like we, uh, you know, as singers, we're so intrinsically, um, enmeshed with our own voices and with identities so wrapped up you know in, in 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 who we are and what we sound like and and that is um a beautiful thing and a really dangerous thing um and I think yeah absolutely like I think yeah it would be a fab workshop um in terms of you know um you know coming dealing with that and and getting that um healthy perspective on 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 our voices and, and who we are them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. well, all the best and look forward to seeing how things go over the next couple of years.
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>